0: Let's do what we always do. I'm glad to be here. How about you? Give me some love, man. Ooh. I wasn't up last week, so you guys better buckle up today. You thought that guy was nuts. Welcome to my turn. All right. Hey, my name is Tony. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and I am thrilled. I really am thrilled that you made it out. And uh, real quick, there's going to be a bunch of people who watch online later this week, so let's just kind of do this like we always do. Let's welcome them into. Way to go. Uh, I know a guy named Dave watches this every week during the middle of the week. And so, Dave, fired up that you're uh, dialing into, and got a bunch of people who do that. But uh, hey, we are in the final week, like Sam said, of a series that we're calling These Are My People. And we've been having an absolute blast, to be quite honest. We've spent a week you know, at the beginning of June talking about what it's like to love our people. It's not always easy to love the people in your life, but it's what we're actually called to do. Then we had Ryan sing a song on the week two uh, Aretha Franklin styled on respect our people, and that was just a great, great time. Then last week we got to laugh with our people by bringing a comedian for Father's Day, and today, again, we get to wrap it up, but really kind of the heartbeat behind this whole series is this, that life is at its all-time best when we're with our people. I mean, you know that, and uh I mean, nobody likes it when you don't have people, when you're isolated by yourself. I mean, even the introverts in the room at some point need to be around people to fuel them up, to fire them up, and to send them out to do what God's asked them to do. And so that's really been the heartbeat of this one, that we want to get stronger in one of our core values, we do life together. And so we actually started the series out with a quick survey. I wanted to find out what type of people we actually had in the room and so I did things like, are you a Hawkeye fan or an ISU fan? Are you a minivan, you know, driver or a suburban driver? There's only two camps on that one. And, uh, and I thought we'd do something similar, but we'd do it in a little bit different way. It's a survey, but it's a would-you-rather type of stuff. And so I'll see what type of people we are, play along with us. I'll share the question, and then, uh, and then I'll kind of go into each of the camps, all right? So would-you-rather style to figure out who, who are the type of people in this room. Uh, first one, we'll see if it comes up on the screen here. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. All right, would you rather, all right, this <laughs> would you rather always be 10 minutes late and I need all of you to be like, yeah, that's actually me. Almost every week at church, 10 minutes late or always be 30 minutes early. How many people give me a clap stuff? How many of you would always like to be 10 minutes late? Come on, who is that you in the room? Liars. There's more of you. I know it. Or always be 30 minutes early. How many of you hate being All right, yeah, <laughs> that's good. I tell you what, I asked my wife this question. She's like, why would I ever wanna be 30 minutes early? She's never been 30 minutes early to anything. And that's now me too. Uh, the next one is this, uh, would you rather, all right, this is kind of a toughie. Would you rather live without internet or live without air conditioning and heating? This will say something about some of you in the room. How many of you would go, you know what? I don't need the internet. Let me hear you if you're like, right, who cares? All right, ho, seriously. Who cares about the internet, baby? How many of you would say, you know what, I want the internet. I got a hat. You know, I don't need the air conditioning and heating. Who's, who's that in the room? Yeah, like four people. <laughs> All right. You can meet each other afterwards and really kumbaya. I'm with you, man. I get like hot grease. You know, I'm like, if I'm hot, you know, I'm just not in a good mood. All right, this is Ryan and Sam. You know, these two guys, uh, Ryan's a sushi fan. Sam's a taco guy, and they just wanted to know, you know, who wants to take them out for lunch today. So, would you rather have unlimited sushi, Ryan loves sushi, for life? Okay, unlimited sushi for life or unlimited tacos for life. How many of you are sushi fans? Ryan will love you. That see, that's weird to me. You know, raw fish, that's cool. How many of you are taco people? Yeah, that's right. All you sushi people are probably minivan fans too. All right. So just kidding, just kidding. So I'm gonna get punched by somebody. All right. Last one, last one. This is not going to probably happen in the near future, but maybe you could make it happen, I don't know. But would you rather, you know, have Culver's or Jimmy John's come to Washington? How many of you are like, give me the Culver's, I want the cheese curds, baby. All right, I like it. How about Jimmy John's, who in the room? Like, I want some Slim's, all right. Awesome, well, hey, thanks for, I, I think it's helpful to know if you have people with you, you know. like, And even, you know, for those of you who actually like, you know, Sushi, you're not alone, and that's a good thing because, like I said, when you're around your people, life is at an all-time high. That's just what, what it is. God didn't design us to do life alone, and we say we do life together. It's one of our core values, and so for the month of June, we've kind of been camping on this one, making sure that we make sure we don't miss the mark, and so it's my hope, it really is my hope, that if you've been here for two weeks or 20 months, we've only existed as a church for 20 months that you would say, you know what, right here, I find a sense of belonging. You know, I really do feel like, after being here a little while, that these, you know, these are some of my people. I actually can connect here. I can actually, you know, do stuff here. And, and I know some of you maybe are just checking things out, and you're even kind of weirded out by that. You're like, what do you mean, our people? And you're going, I don't know if I could ever really, you know, belong at a church. I don't know if these could ever really be my people. And I just let you know this, that if you're just checking things out, You know, maybe it's your first or second time and you're going, I I just don't even know. Do you even know what my last weekend looked like? Do you even know what I was like 10 years ago? I know it's all good. Because here at City Point, I just want to share with you a couple statements that drive what we do at this place. They really help us be focused in on on who can belong. I mean, who are the people who are welcomed in in these doors? What type of church are we trying to create? And two statements that really kind of keep us focused is, is this one. It doesn't matter who you are. Where you've been, what you've done or what's been done to you, you're welcome right here. We see all throughout the pages of scripture, this is God's heart. And we just think it has to be ours too. It doesn't matter you know, who you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. Yeah, I know, Tony, but are you sure? What about my, my first marriage? That didn't go so hot, so can I really come to church? Am I going to be looked down on? Am I going to be judged? Am I going to be kicked? you know? going go, easy. It's okay to look for God right here. And we've got to create an environment where it, it doesn't matter what you've done or what's been done to you, or who you. Yeah, I know maybe a couple weekends ago was a bad week and you, you slipped and you messed up and, and you're feeling this guilt and shame and you're going, I don't know if God could ever even accept me or if I could ever even show up. And I just want to lower anxiety today and go, hey, when we're in a series and when we're doing this stuff that's dialing in on who's our people, who can show up, who's included in, we just go, everybody is. Everybody, it doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, or what's been done to you, you're welcome right here. And the truth is, we have a God who did the same thing for each and every one of us, who took us, you know, went first, loved us without us having anything to show for ourselves, and we still don't, and he says, you know what, I love you. I, I, I give you worth and value, and I tell you that you're exactly the person that I come for and I want to do life with. The other statement that kind of helps us be clear on who we are and what we do, is it's okay to belong before you believe. It's okay. That means it's, it's all right for you to come and check things out. It's okay for you to even doubt. It's okay for you to even disagree and for you to leave and go, I'm not sure I really buy that. And we're going, that's cool. That's fine. Because you, you can belong here even before you believe. You can come and pursue God without even being 100% sure that you even buy it. And we just want to create a church that loves people no matter who they are, and makes sure there's a spot for them to pursue God and to to ask questions and to grow in relationship. We say, we we gotta do this, because when we're at our best as a church, we're a place at our best that welcomes people in, that has no guilt, no shame, and just provides a safe place for people to pursue God. That's just who we are when we're at our best. At our best, people are known, here. And it doesn't matter what they believe. They're just known. They're noticed here. And they're needed. There's a spot on the team for them. When we're at our worst, the opposite is just as true, that people go unknown, unneeded, and unnoticed. And so what we've really been trying to do for this whole month is kind of gear up and say, hey, there's some things that we want to work on to get us stronger for the fall. And just this last week, we took our staff up to a church in Cedar Falls called Prairie Lakes Church. It's a great church. They've kind of allowed us to come up and sit around, you know, among kind of round tables, do some leadership training and some church, you know, kind of moving us forward as a young staff in a young church. And they kind of adopted us and, hey, just hang out and just learn as much as you can, whatever's good, just take it. And and they reminded you know, me of the six-month principle, and it's, it's a principle that's true, you know, for all of us, and it's this principle, I'll put it on the screen, that what we do now will affect us later. I mean, we all know this stuff. All of us do. What you do now, this is true for working out. What you do now will actually affect you later. What you eat now will actually affect you later. We just, a random story, me and my wife, we took our girls to Des Moines this last weekend, and on our way home, we pit stop in Otumwa. I have a new niece, and the girls really wanted to hold her, and it was all good, you know. But on the way from Des Moines to Otumwa, it was three in the afternoon, we let our girls take a nap. And this came so true. What we did then affected us later. We didn't get to bed last night until like 11 o'clock p.m. because we had wound up girls. It's, what you do now always does affect you later. And when we were up in Cedar Falls, the pastor there who was kind of leading the discussion kind of shared this to all of us, you know, church leaders, and it's true no matter if you're, you know, running an organization, your own life, you know, or a church. He said, there's some things in the summer that if you don't pour attention to now, you'll kick yourself for in the fall and in the winter. And he just asked us, what are they? Do you know what they are? What what are the areas in your life, in your organization, in your church, that if you don't pour attention to it right now, you'll kick yourself? you know, in the fall and in the winter. And for me, it was instant. I knew exactly what it was for our church. And let me just share what's going to be coming up in the fall and in the winter. We actually believe that this fall, you know, this September, this October, that we're going to see more and more people come and check us out. Right now, our current uh, Sunday morning average with kids and with adults is around 500 people, and we just, we're blown away by that. But we actually think as we gear up for the fall, as we continue to create a church that unchurched people, unapologetic, just unchurched people actually go, no way, I don't actually mind going to that church. As, they, as we continue to do that, continue to provide on-ramps for people just to check God out and to you know, take steps of faith in their own time, then more and more people are going to check us out, and we get really excited about that. But what is a reality on our horizon is as we grow numerically, there's a temptation for us to miss people. So what we do now will dramatically affect who we are later. You see, if all we want to do is grow as a church and have hundreds and hundreds of people showing up, well, that's fine. Then we don't need to pour any attention. But we knew we needed to design a series that would help us grow you know, these we-do-life-together muscles, get beefed up. So here's kind of the heartbeat behind me sharing that with you. We're going to grow in the fall, but I need your help. In this core value of ours, in this area of our church, we have got to become curious about who's coming. We've got to become curious about our neighbors who haven't came yet. And when people come, and when they ask, and when, you know, they sit two rows in front of you, and you're like, I don't know if Frank's ever been here before. Maybe you just, you know, not, no creepy, weird stuff, but like, maybe you just ask, hey, Frank, is this your first time? Can I show you around? Can I make sure you feel like you belong here? Even, even, even before you believe. So friends, I'm asking as we wrap up this series, if you'd help me out, if you'd help us out and say we've got to increase this, this value of making sure that these are our people, this is our place, this is our county and the counties that touch us, these are our homes, our cities, our neighborhoods and our friends. And when they come, They have to find a place that they feel like they're known, noticed, and needed. And when we do that, we actually think, watch out. We think we will continue to reach more and more people, and it'll just be incredible. But today, as we wrap up the series, I really have a message that I'm excited about sharing with you. It's called Bless Our People. Bless Our People. So if you wanted to write down on the title, or, you know, at the top of your blank note page, you could write that down. We're wrapping up the series, Bless Our People, and some of you guys in there are be like, seriously, that's what you came up with? That's how you want to round out this? Bless Our People, you know, here we go. Play patty cake with each other, you know. I'm telling you, it might not sound like the most, you know, strong word in the English dictionary, but when a group of people get excited and dialed in On blessing other people it is catalytic to a group to a community to a region when 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 a group of people go you know what we just want to bless we just want to give away we just want to pour into other people's lives the ripple effect is just enormous and how do i know this it's because god is a god who blesses people and he wants us to share his heartbeat as well. All throughout the pages of scripture, we actually see God is a God who sees us and chooses to bless us. Check this out in uh, Genesis chapter 12, right away in the you know, beginning pages of the Bible. It says, I will make you, he's talking to a guy named Abram. He says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. And some of you go, well, what did you do to deserve it? And the truth is nothing. God is just is a God who chooses to bless us. He wants to bless us. He says, I will bless you. And make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. He just wants you to be a blessing to others. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. A few pages later, in the middle of the Bible, it actually says this in Malachi 3.10 about us being generous and God saying, boy, if you do that, wow, I will bless you even more. It says this, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, aka the church, if you do, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. He goes, just try me. Just just see if I won't bless you. Put me to the test. And in Ephesians chapter 1, it actually says this, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Main point on this one, friends, is God is a God who blesses us. He blesses each and every one of us with things like material blessings, with relational blessings. I mean, the mere fact that you're part of a church, that you're coming, you're sitting with people, that's a blessing just so you know. And spiritual blessings, that you get to hear God's word, you know, you can listen to a Christian, you know, radio station, you can hear, you know, great things come into your life, that's a blessing. We have talents that God has given us, it's a blessing from God, and I know the minute I start talking about this, some of you in the room are going, well, that's nice for them, but I'm not blessed. You know I get it. I see it in my neighbors. You know, they're blessed. They have it all going on. But God hasn't blessed me. He's he's forgotten about me. And I can almost hear it. And I wonder if Jesus could almost hear your conversation going on in your head right now because he actually addresses that very thought process. In one of the greatest sermons ever preached in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus talks to his group of disciples, and he actually, I mean, this is no longer the blessed, you know, here's lots of money, here's lots of friends, here's a great house. He actually says, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. At which his, you know, his followers would have been like, what? You know, that doesn't make sense. When I'm at the end of my rope, you mean when I'm, like, fried out? When I'm about to lose it, when I... And I just wonder if you're in the room and you're going, wait, hold on, that's me. I feel like oftentimes I'm at the end of my rope. Ask any mom of youngsters, and she goes, yeah, that's like every day. I'm at the end of my rope. And, and Jesus would say, you're blessed. And the mom's would be like, yeah, right, God, you're wrong on that one. He's like, no, 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 you are. And you go, how do you, make sense of this for me, Jesus. And he goes, here's why. Because with less of you, there is more of God. And so Jesus goes, you're blessed. When you're at the end of yourself, you can't handle it anymore, and you're just all fried out, and and, and you can almost see the crowd, the disciples kind of going, for real? Okay. And Jesus goes, because when you're at the end of yourself, when you are maxed out, it's when God becomes even bigger in your life. And you know you can cling on to him. He goes on to say, you're blessed when you feel like you've lost what's most dear to you. And again, I wonder if the people gathered around listening to him at that time would have gone, no, you are off it, man. Blessed, even when I've lost what's most dear to me. And some of you in the room are going, no, 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 no that's too far. Because I've lost what's most dear to me. Some of you right now, even in, t- you know, in, your, in your gut, in your spirit, you're just going, oh, that hurts. You mean to tell me when I lose some of the most valuable things in my life, when I'm at, just imagine the, the emotional string he was kind of pulling on there going, hey, when you've lost it, the most dear thing to your life, you're blessed, and there you're just going, you, no, 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 no. And you can almost hear, just please explain how, and he goes on to say it, because only then Only then can you be embraced by the one who is most dear to you. He says, when you've lost some important things in your life, you really get to see who is there consistently and who can carry you through even in the midst of the tough stuff. It goes on to say this in verse 5. It says, you're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed. Yeah, they got more stuff, but when you're content with who you are, you're blessed. He goes on to say this in verse ten: You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. And again, these guys are you serious? That's a blessing. And again, Jesus just driving this home that I'm a God who blesses. God's a God who blesses you. And you might not always feel like you're blessed, but God can turn even the hardest things into a blessing if you just trust him. He says, you're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. You get a sense that you're on mission with God. And the last one that I'll share with you is this in Matthew chapter five, verse 11 and 12. It says, not only that, but count yourselves blessed every time people count you or every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me Jesus is making the point each and every one of us are blessed those of us who feel like we're blessed we're blessed Maybe you're in a season of that right now. You're like, man, life is good. I I feel like I do have the material stuff. I got the relation. I got the spiritual blessings going on. It's going on, baby. And you feel good about it. And others of you are going, it's been a hard season. It's been a hard year. What happened is it does not feel like that. And I think God would lean in. You know how I want you to relate to each other? is with the good stuff and then the bad stuff. The, the times when you're, you're on cloud nine and you feel like everything's just rocking and even the times where you're at the end of your rope. I've provided blessings for you and I want you to be a blessing to others. See, God is a God who blesses us. Kind of main thought on this one, I'll put it on the screen for you, is God has blessed me with blank. What has he blessed you with? Some of your blanks on this one will be, boy, some hard stuff. It hasn't been easy lately. It has not been like this easy road of life. But God has blessed me. Now, others of you, you might look at your bank account. You might look at you know kind of the stuff around you, the relationships that you have. You might go, "Man, God has blessed me with a lot, so I can bless others with." Fill it in. It's kind of the main thought of the morning. If we want to do life together with our people, these are our people. How do we do that? Then we take the blessings that we have. Good or bad and we say God how can you use me to be a blessing to others and I'm telling you what when we do that that's when people start to feel the love of God there's a definition that I want to use to kind of put handles on this word bless for the rest of the morning you can jot this down if you're taking notes but bless is literally this it's demonstrating God's love with no strings attached that's what blessing is it's demonstrating God's love with no strings attached attached. where do you get that from? The truth is, later on in that same chapter where Jesus is teaching in chapter 5, Jesus actually talks to us about being the light of the world, being a blessing to this world. He says, you're the light of the world. You're a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. He's like, that's dumb. Nobody do that. Don't do that. Don't light a lamp and then hide it Nobody can receive a blessing from that. Nobody can actually find light for the rest of their room. He said, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. It goes on to say this in the next verse. It says, in the same way, let your good deeds, let your blessings, let the good things that God is doing in your life shine out. Let others see them. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that, and I'm going to leave the dot, dot, dot. Why does God want us to be a blessing to others? So that they can know how good we are. So that we can stand up in the middle of the church and go, look what I've done. Look how much I've given. Look how much I serve. You know, Let your good deeds shine out. Make sure your lamp is bright and shining so that everybody in Washington County and in the Wiza County and the counties that surround us can know how good and great City Point is and what we're doing. Let your good deeds shine out so that, dot, dot, what? Well, Jesus goes on to tell us, let your good deeds shine out so that everyone, who's included with everyone? Everyone. So that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. You see, there's a reason why even the way we started, I say, it doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, or what's been done to you, you're welcome right here. Why? It's because it's God's heartbeat that everyone each and every one of us would receive the blessings that God has, and when they come in through the doors of this church or churches like this, they say, am I welcome here? And we go, you better believe you are. One of the things God has asked us to do with each other, we do life together, these are my people. One of the very clear objectives that he's asked us to accomplish is to make sure that everyone, is blessed by us and through us. So for the rest of our morning, I really want to just walk through that definition. I want to camp on the two phrases. How are we going to bless? I mean, how are we going to do that final week of these are my people? Well, How are we going to make sure that we get this thing real clear, real dialed in? So for the rest of our morning, break this definition into two chunks. We're going to do it, number one, by demonstrating God's love. That's how we're going to bless, is we're going to demonstrate God's love. Demonstrate. Just you know, this is real elementary. Demonstrate means showing something to someone. You're, you're demonstrating. showing something to someone. And it reminds me of early on in marriage. Just you know, I'm going to be married 10 years this July. That's insane, all right? And some of you are like, yeah, you, golf clap should be a roar, all right? Like, no way. That guy 10 years? There's luck. You know, there's, there's hope for you, all right? All uh, right. But early on, early on, we had a little apartment on downtown here in Washington. Early on, right across the street from the Washington State Bank, we had a little apartment thing. And and, uh, and I, I just remember the first few weeks of being married, we do laundry together, and, and we'd be sitting there watching a TV show or whatever. I don't know, but we were doing something, and she said, "Why don't you fold some clothes?" And I'm like, "I've never folded clothes in my life." And we'll start with the towels. You know, you can't screw up towels, so I grab the towels, I start folding the towels. All you wives are like, "I did the same thing to my husband." And I start folding the towels, and and those of you who, you know, guys, you know, there's hamburger, you know, fold, and there's hot dog folds, you know, like long way or short way, and I'm, I'm a king of the hamburger fold. So I just take the towel in half, in half, and in half, and I'm like, I'm good at the towels. Give me more towels. Well, I do like three of these things, and she's like panic mode. You're doing it wrong, Tone. You're not doing it right. You know, it's hamburger, hot dog, then hot dog, and then hamburger. I'm like, you know, I was like, I need to take a nap after that. I'm like, you just show me. And I'm telling you what, it took me the better part of two years to learn how to fold towels the right way at our house. I needed Carrie to demonstrate how to fold towels. I'm now a pro, just so you know. Ten years in, I'm really good at this stuff. But this is what God has done for us in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. It says this, God demonstrates his love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. He demonstrates And he's asking us to do the same thing. When we bless others, he's asking us to be a demonstration of his love to other people. He wants us to demonstrate this. This is what he's asked us to do, is to be a physical demonstration of God's love towards other people. And that's exciting news, because he's asked us to be a part of making sure that nobody goes without receiving God's love. And so how do you do that? I mean, what does it actually look like to demonstrate his love? Well, according to what he did for us, it means no strings attached. It means no guilt, no shame, no, hey, you got to, you know, be all cleaned up before you come up. Well, God didn't do that. He demonstrated his love for us that while we were still jacked up, screwed up, and full of sin in our lives, he sent Jesus to love us. Before there was anything good, he went first. And that's how you demonstrate God's love. It's okay to belong, even before you believe. That's what God does. He showed up first. He went first. There's uh, actually even Jesus' beginning. You know, if you grew up in church, you might know this. If you didn't grow up in church, you're going to be like, really weirded out. That's what you guys buy into. But Jesus was born from his mom, Mary, a virgin birth. She had never had sex before, but she got impregnated by God. It's just this crazy story. You read it. And it's not me making it up. But it's this story of you know Jesus coming to this world, and he's got this teenage girl named Mary. She's engaged to be you know married to a guy named Joseph. But back then, and this is a little whatever, but Joseph was a virgin, and so when he found out his wife to be was pregnant, he's like, "Oh no, you did not! <laughs> you know, I knew it wasn't me." <laughs> he's like, "What's going on?" And and so Mary's now at this kind of tension point. She's got a baby inside of her, and he's wondering what he's supposed to do, and literally in the scripture it talks about her leaving her town and going to her Aunt Elizabeth's house. Now I wonder why she had to leave. I wonder if in her hometown, when people started to notice, I wonder if they said, did you hear what what Mary was doing? (laughs) She's married, she's going to be married, but she got knocked up and just so you know she would have been looked down on she would have been poked at she would have been I mean this would have been crazy she leaves she goes to Elizabeth's house Now I'm not gonna put the scripture up you can read it for yourself but when she gets to her aunt's house her aunt does a couple things her aunt first welcomes her in with no shame no guilt. She just says, Mary, you're welcome right here. You can come. And as Mary tells her the story, Elizabeth just goes, yep, you can stay as long as you need to. And friends, I wonder if that was a clue for us. How are we supposed to handle when, when people walk through our doors I mean, this is your story and this is my story. If you were to know my back history, you might go, no way. Should even be able to lead a church? But when we come in, if we could take a cue from, you know, Jesus' aunt, Aunt Elizabeth welcomed his mom in when nobody else bought it. She says, you're welcome right here. I'm not gonna shame you. I'm not gonna look down on you. I'm not gonna beat you up. I'm not gonna go, what happened? You know, I'm just gonna go, hey. You're safe right here. That's demonstrating God's love. And he asks us to do the same. Teaching everybody who shows up right here, each and every person that we run into in the towns, in our circle of influences, in our neighborhoods, we're demonstrating God's love. But the second way we do it is with no strings attached. No strings attached. Why? It's because I hate strings being attached to stuff you do and God does. I mean, real practically... Uh, my daughter, Kara, I'll put a picture on the screen for you, she turned four, uh, this is Kara, uh, you know, last, just last month in May, and uh, we had a birthday party for her, it was all good, and you can take that off, but we had bought her an Elsa doll, okay, a little Elsa Barbie doll, which was a terrible idea, because we didn't buy four of them, so it's just nuts, but anyways, she rips open the Elsa doll, and (laughs) And, like, she wants to play with it right away, but I'm telling you what, they package those suckers up with, like, 18 strings attached, so you can't pull her out for nothing. I literally spent 10 minutes just cutting strings, you know, just to get her, I think I cut a little bit of her hair, which is not good either. But I finally got Elsa out, and I was just reminded, I hate strings being attached. Why? Because it slows us down from getting to what we want to be. Strings attached. And so maybe for you, you go, "Hey, okay, I can demonstrate God's love," but that times maybe you slip into a string being attached. Maybe it's a string of going, "Hey, look at me, string. Watch me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a blessing to somebody." So in the string, maybe that's attached to it is, "So I am seen. I am noticed." That's an ugly string. Or, or maybe there's a string in your life. Uh, you know, I'll bless so that God does something for me in return. It's the, I'll do so that, God, you owe me type of blessing. It's the, I'm gonna blackmail you for it. It's an ugly string, isn't it? How often does that happen? How often do we see that? Or I'll bless just to make myself feel better. I'll, I'll give, I'll give some time, I'll give some talent, but I'll do it really to just You know, make me feel better about myself. And again, there's maybe nothing wrong with that at the onset. But if all we're doing is blessing out of this internal desire and all these, you know, focuses back on me, we're really getting fuzzy on this stuff. So maybe the way to wrap this thing up is to, to really get clear on what blessing does and what it doesn't do. See, blessing does demonstrate God's love. That's what it does. It shows people God's love in their life, but what it doesn't do is really important for us to know so we don't get fuzzy on areas that we should never get fuzzy on. So last two thoughts. What blessing doesn't do. Blessing, it doesn't make God love you more. Do you know that? Blessing doesn't make God love you more. He loves you. And that's great news for some of you in the room who are going, I've never done that. I've never been generous. I've never, does God even love me? What does he think about me? And I just, let me remind you, God loves you so much. He went first. He demonstrates his love for you. He loves you. He cares about you. He's gifted you and he's blessed you already. No strings attached. And when you bless someone else, God loves you fully already so he's not up in heaven going oh finally now I get to love you know Frank more it's not how it works he can't love you any more any less he just loves you he is consistently full of love for you and that is so good for me because I screw up so much and I blow it so often in my life. And there's too many times that I let somebody pass by that I don't you know, provide a blessing to, that I feel God prompting me in, and I just wonder, God, what do you think of me now? And He just, I just kind of want to be the voice of God to you, saying, I've never stopped loving you. It's never been hinging on what you do. God just loves. It's just who he is. It's why he calls us to love everyone. This guy, and this is not gonna be a shocker for you, he's way smarter than me. And there's a lot of people who are. Timothy Keller, or sorry, Rick Warren, he's a pastor in in California, a giant church. I mean giant church. He says this, God will never love you any less or more than he does right now, because his love is based on who he is, not what you've done. It's not about what you do. Blessings aren't. Because they don't determine God's love for you. It's literally this posture that God's given you to bless others through, to be a blessing to others. And there's not a scoreboard. So let's not get real fuzzy on this one, deal? The other thing that God lets us know that blessings don't do is this. Blessings don't earn salvation. Even some of you in the room are like, what does that even mean? Around here, we make it as simple as we can. Salvation is this step of faith that puts you in right standing with God. You know, we say there's a line of faith that all of us need to get to a spot where we, we step over someday and it's this idea that on this side of the line, you you work hard to you know, earn your your rights and you, you kinda find your own self-worth and your own self-value and someday you start to go, yeah, maybe when I die I wanna be in heaven someday, but you go, I'll earn my way. I'll give enough or I'll serve enough or I'll, you know, I'll do all the right things and you try and pull up your own bootstraps and you try and do all the hard work yourself and the Bible makes it clear that we all fall short. Even our best things fall short to God and so what God did is he sent Jesus for us and, and we talk about it being a step of faith. It's this faith step where we step over the faith line and we put our trust no longer in ourselves, But we put our trust in what Jesus has done for us, his forgiveness and his grace, and it's his love. It's no longer what I do. It's what Jesus has done for us. And so we step over and receive this free gift from God. But it's it's not because of a blessing that we've done for somebody else. It's just a gift that's been given to us. Here's what Ephesians chapter 2, it's one of my favorite... Verses in all the Scripture says God saved you by His grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for it. It's not about your blessing. It's not about what you do. It's a gift from God, salvation. It's not a reward for the good things that we've done. So no one can boast about it. You can't brag about it. So let's go full circle on this one. Blessing. It's what we're called to do. It's what God asks us to be towards people who come in these doors through people in our communities and our circles of influence. It's what he asks us to be a part of. These are my people. I'm going to love, and I'm going to respect, and I'm going to laugh, and I'm going to bless them. Why? Because when we do, people see God. We're a demonstration of his love. And that's the greatest gift that we can give to the people around us. Friends, I want to pray with you and we'll sing a song and and then I'll wrap us up with a final thought before we go. God, thanks so much for today. Thanks so much for loving us. Thanks so much for the the invitation to to bless others, to be a church that's known by this, to be individuals that are compelled to love others, to bless others. God, for those of us in the room who've, Maybe never heard something like this before. And maybe for those in the room who have been stuck in this idea that I gotta do to earn God's love or I gotta do to make God love me, forgive me. God, I just pray in these moments that you would you'd lean in, that you remind us that it's already been done for us. God, would you show us how much you love us Thanks so much for being our good God. I pray this in your name. Amen. You can stand up and sing with us. We got a closing song for you.